Fell From Outer Space, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to We Read the Book. I'm Adam Heap. I'm Lois Mitchell. And I'm Bradley Walker. Yes. Yay, Bradley's back. Yay. For round two. Thank you for having me again. This is uh, your debut with me as a host. Yes, it is. Yeah. Prepare to be challenged. I think you mean as a (laughs) (laughs) co-host. All right, we're going to dive right into our question of the week. Uh, We have some... How, how would you how would you phrase this? And what are the themes of our topic this week, Lois? Uh, so our question of the week this week. Uh, usually Adam comes up with them, but I campaigned for this one. Uh, who is your gay exception? Who wants to go first? <laughs> well, well, both of you just looked at me, so I assume that I'm going first. Yeah, uh, Ewan McGregor. That it's a is good a, a fine looking man, excellent beard, great accents, just class. Yeah, and I just tend to like most movies he, that most movies that he is in. Yeah, that's a solid choice. Bradley. Uh, I went with Jake Gyllenhaal because he's single and I'm single. So on paper, obviously, we're a perfect match. <laughs> uh, and also, I'm not out here to destroy any marriages. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with The Rock, who's my exception to being gay. Um, <laughs> well, Spoilers. queer, I guess. He's like a good hunk of man, right? Yeah, he's a quality guy. Yeah. He's like really nice. Yeah. We've, we've talked about a love of The Rock on this show before. Have you seen online uh, that photo of him wearing uh, the fanny pack? No. Uh, leaning against a wall. It's like a oh, hell, yeah, yeah, yeah. A hell yeah, of a yeah, 90s photo. But he went and recreated it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, he's just so, uh, like, doesn't take himself seriously at all. Like, yeah. he's just a, a really, really great And for guy. me, like, most of attraction is personality. So, Which he has plenty of. He's yeah. got that eyebrow thing. But he's also got, like, real good muscles, too. <laughs> so he's got, like, both of the things. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. a, like, I used to watch a lot of professional wrestling. Uh, like, I probably came in a little after The Rock was, was had his time. But, like, you know, if you have ever watched professional wrestling, you know who The Rock is. Like, yeah. he's uh, got a ton of charisma. Good choice. Good job, everyone. Uh, yeah, so Carol. Boy, yeah. who, boy, howdy. I uh, confuse this a lot, uh, even like in the lead up to doing this podcast with the Danish girl, because I was convinced that Eddie Redmayne was in this movie. And then <laughs> when I looked at the posters for it, I realized it was because the posters for both movies are almost identical. Oh. So uh, that yeah. was why I was confusing them in my head. And they both came out around the same time and mm-hmm. received like a lot of controversy slash acclaim from... Uh, Film I don't really feel Carol had a lot of controversy, to be honest. Well, the controversy was that it was not nominated for awards that it, or did not win awards that it should have been. Like, it was left out of the Best Picture noms, despite the fact yeah. that they had a ton of Best Picture uh, yeah. films that year. <laughs> well, it, it got a 10... Did it deserve to get any awards, did it? Well, I'm not a... I mean, I was about to say, I'm not a film critic, but I, I mean, I guess... I guess technically, I guess yeah. the, the fact that this podcast <laughs> exists means that I it somewhat am. Yeah. The quality of how good my criticism of films are is debatable, but like it got a ten-minute standing ovation at Cannes. Yeah, but I would say it was more important than good. Yeah, yeah. I I really like seeing stories no, about like it, but... queer women. That's really great, and stories that are like revolve around women. That two women talk about stuff that's not men, though. To the extent that they talk. Yeah, <laughs> there there was a lot of talking about men in this movie. But yeah, I mean, it's it's like a really important movie because it focuses on women, and that that stems out of a book that was really a really important book for the time yeah. as well. So it's um, an important film, and it's a historical film. So of course, the critics were like, "Yes, give us more." Mm. And um, Kate Blanchett in a serious movie. <laughs> yeah, like I I think spoilers. I'm going to be pretty cynical this episode. I guess my feeling on it is I don't like being pandered to. And I felt pandered to. So let's Sorry to like 
lead right off with it. But yeah, I wasn't really like, oh, this really gets me. So maybe a few details just about both quickly before we vote on which one we preferred. Uh, the Price of Salt was the original title of the book when it was released in 1952. Uh, it was written by Patricia Highsmith, but under a pseudonym at the time. Uh, it was released uh, much later in the 90s as Carol, uh, under Highsmith's actual name. Uh, it's probably most well known for being the first major piece of lesbian literature to have a happy ending. Uh, relatively happy ending, air quotes, says Lois. They ended up together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one died. <laughs> yeah. And then the film Carol was released in 2015, uh, directed by Todd Haynes, who uh, directed such, such films as I'm Not There by Bob Dylan and other films. And it's time to vote, I think. Uh, Bradley, book or film? Film. Lois? Film. Adam? Film. Good. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> yeah. So a unanimous verdict, uh... 3-0 to the film. Uh, I'm sure that will give us a lot to talk about as we go through. Let's talk about if it's a good adaptation. I would say yes. Yeah, I guess it, it does everything the book does. It's just that there's not very much to adapt. So Yeah. But, yeah, I'll say yes, it is. My feeling is that it took what the book was trying to do and then did it properly. <laughs> yeah. That's Yeah, that's a good way of phrasing it. I agree. It. My, <laughs> the way I was going to phrase it was that if the film had come first, I would have said that the book did a bad job of adapting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's really fair. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who've not uh, read the book or seen the film, uh, I'll give you a brief plot summary of the film Carol. Young photographer Therese Bellavette uh, finds herself falling in love out of the blue with older New Yorker Carol Ed. Two fall in love and take a trip into inland America, but are pursued by a detective who is trying to find evidence of Carol's homosexuality to allow her ex-husband to take custody of her child. <gasps> The two split up, uh, but end up meeting again in New York, where a more mature Therese decides she does want to pursue a relationship with a very pleased Carol. There's not a lot of plot in that in that plot outline, is there? No, but that's it. That's all that happens. Um, well, let's discuss the things that aren't plot, and this might almost take us as long as actually discussing the plot later on. Yeah. Uh, the casting, uh, number one. Uh, the film cast Rooney Mara as the lead of Therese Bellavets. Uh, what do we think of her? I have never seen her in anything before. I thought she did a good job of being kind of blank, which is a weird thing to say, but that that's the character all over. Yeah. Yeah, the book makes a number of references to that's what that character is supposed to be, like a blank slate a lot of the time who feels like she needs to be filled in by other people. Mm. She's, like, really boring in the book. I felt like Rini Mara actually livened her up a little bit and because I was so worried that she, this is going to be a terrible character on screen, but I think she actually just imbued a little bit of personality yeah. that made her watchable. Yeah, she was she was so boring and depressing in the book. It was so hard to empathize with her. Uh, yeah, I and the one the, the one change that kind of irritated me was um, in the book she's a stage designer, uh, like set designer, and in the movie she's a photographer. It was it was really cool that she was a set designer. Yeah, because it's an a, awesome job. It's not as familiar as photography, yeah. but I think the reason they did it is because it's easier to show without having to explain. What's yeah, going exactly. On. But it's a mix of that and also because uh, the there was a comment on this by the woman who wrote the screenplay, who was a friend of Patricia Highsmith's. Uh, I think her last name is Naga, uh, and she said that the reason that they turned her into photographer is that uh, it would it just kind of allowed uh, them to show her moving from objects to people. Uh, which they do uh, mention at one point during the film. They ask Therese, why don't you start taking more photos of people? people yeah. Whatever you want to make of that reason, it's fine. Yeah. I was a bit disappointed because I think I thought that the set, I was looking forward to seeing the set design kind of thing play itself out with the little cardboard models, which yeah. I yeah. thought might have been a, an interesting visual. 
But I guess I understand that they made yeah, that decision. I actually didn't. And like two thirds of the way through the movie, I was like, wait a second, she was meant to be a set designer. Yeah. Um, you but, notice like right from the outset when they, when they're talking about her being a photographer, they're like, oh, that's what they've done with, with her job yeah. aspirations this time around. I think it probably did save like 10 minutes though to go with that because for the set designer stuff, you sort of have to explain what that is because they, you would probably assume she's an architect or something if you yeah. see her building models. And it is a long movie. Is it two and a half? No, no it's two hours. Two. two hours. I think it was enough. The original cut something. was two and a half hours. They cut out about half an hour of material. Oh, okay. Starring alongside Remar, Kate Blanchett as Carol. Uh, a plus, I guess. She is a queen. I love her. Yeah, she was good. Again, like a, this was a, a character who was like, I wonder how this will get portrayed on screen. And again, I think it... They actually portray a more diverse character on screen than is featured originally in the book. I think part of that is because they've had, because the book is, it's not first person, is it? But it focuses so much on Teresa's internal monologue. Yeah. Whereas, of course, you can't really do that in the movie. So I think the movie shifts a lot of the focus onto Carol, which also makes more sense with the title, probably. Again, they elected to do that because apparently uh, the they wanted to stay with whoever was more vulnerable at the time was one of the reasons that they gave for that. Yeah. Um, but I think it also does suit their story better to kind of just show some events from her point of view and have her be the focus. Yeah. I think it, it made a lot of sense to shift it more onto Carol, probably. I liked that they kept in the movie how predatory Carol is. I was really worried that they would make her more feminine, in quotes, you know, because yeah. a lot of movies they'll make the female characters less aggressive because that's what people expect. And it was kind of uncomfortable watching her, like, kind of manipulate this young woman, even though it wasn't abusive. It wasn't like she was getting her to do stuff she didn't want to do, but it was manipulative. She was, she knew that Therese didn't really understand her own feelings and she was taking advantage of that. So I almost felt they toned it down more than they could have in the, in the film. Yeah, like they did tone it down, but they That character definitely dominates more, I feel, in the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's still elements there. I think it was most noticeable for me in the scene where Therese is playing the piano and Carol keeps stopping her to talk about stuff. Yeah. And ask her questions. Yeah, I think, like um, to me, Carol seemed a lot more aggressive in the seduction, I guess, in the film. But I don't know how much that's just because in the book I may not have noticed because it was going on and on about Therese's feelings. Yeah, and in a movie you have to show yeah. and not tell. Yeah, so. like in the book I didn't even know Carol. I didn't trust that Carol even liked Therese really the whole yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Like I I was doubting until about halfway through that this was – I was like, oh, are they actually going to be a couple or is this going to be one of those inadverted commas lesbian movies that is like they're really good friends? Yeah. And then, yeah, they were yeah. lesbians, but – yeah. It was like a, the whole thing in the book is that it's a will they, won't they, and it's painful yeah. because it takes up so much of the book, mm. you know, out of 200 pages. And then it takes a sharp right, right-hand right turn in the last third because it's suddenly a thriller about they've been found out, so will they be, you know, jailed or yeah. um, will Carol's daughter be taken away, you know. For like... me, the book is basically plotless until they mention the word detective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And once that happens, I was like, oh, this actually has a story. And now I am I feel a little suspense and what's going to happen next. Yeah. It's yeah. And, I, and something that I was remotely interested in uh, beyond, I like this girl, does she like me? Yeah. yeah. I feel like we're maybe the wrong audience. Like, I mean, I know me and Adam... This kind of will they won't they romance 
we're not really super interested in watching that. I mean, it's good for us to watch that and read that kind of stuff because it's like more variant in our broadening interest. Yeah, but um, it's not the stuff we gravitate towards. We gravitate towards sci-fi and fantasy movies. So uh, yeah, it's just it's just different to what we usually watch. I feel we like generally have terrible romances. Yeah. So. Well, but also I feel like that. I mean, I guess yes, you would call this a romance, but it it felt more like. A movie about two people who tell us they love each other, but you never really see them have any chemistry or... Like, yeah, that's exactly... I wrote a note at one point... They don't even do anything point, together, really. Yeah, I wrote a note at one point that if this love story was shown on screen between two heterosexual people, I would be like, they don't really love each other. Yeah. They lust after each other. Yeah. But I wouldn't believe the love story if it was regardless of who it was. Mm. And so that's irritating that everyone's like, oh you know, a real lesbian relationship on screen. No, it's a crap relationship. It's a terrible relationship. They just want to have sex with each other. And even then, I don't know that I believe that. Yeah, (laughs) the sex scene was terrible. No, but aside from that, like, (laughs) so, I mean, the book had the problem that you don't know anything about what Carol feels. And I think the movie almost had the opposite problem where it's very clear what Carol wants and you don't really know if Therese reciprocates. So the, for most of the movie and the book, it just sort of feels like, is there even a relationship here? Basically, what we're all saying is we would have enjoyed this movie more if there'd been more lasers. Yeah. <laughs> more lasers and less feelings. <laughs> uh, the rest of the cast is pretty forgettable. Uh, I mean, the only one who I I, I think I enjoyed uh, the portrayal on screen uh, was Kyle Chandler as Hersh. Hersh? Hersh. I, I was doing... I was saying Harge. It's, it's short for Harges. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a weird name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I quite enjoyed his portrayal on screen, like the actor playing him. I think he did a good job. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He was menacing, but also sympathetic. Yeah, I felt like he was more physical. Like in the book, I felt like he was more like an evil genius or something. But you had to kind of get that all through Carol explaining things. Yeah. So it was good they made him more sort of physical in the movie so that you could just see it. Also props to the, uh, the store manager right at the beginning of the film. She was who really was funny. such a mean... Head. I The woman, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I found her really funny. Like, when uh, Therese asks for a piece of for a pen and paper, she just gives her this look like, she, like how dare life. you? Yeah, I felt that was accurate to the book as well, because her manager in the book's really mean. Yeah. And then when she's got a phone call, and Therese is with the customer, and the woman's, like, clicking her finger. Yeah, get over here. here. Like, yeah. oh, that was really funny and good, because it was, like, how you can create characters out of side characters mm. without them having to explain anything about themselves just through a few actions and a few way like the way they present themselves yeah we knew exactly what that we knew that that lady had been given a little bit of power and basically just lauded it all over the other girl, the other women on the shop floor. Yeah. And you were like, I really don't like you. The fact that we're talking about like this moment just kind of exemplifies how little most of this, yeah, this exactly. plot actually matters. Which is a little sad, but... Yeah. Um, let's talk about maybe the set and the design, the costumes sort of thing, that, is, that aspect of it. The, the film actually uh, moves the plot for, uh, forward in time by about maybe five to ten years. Um, the reason for this is uh, that they kind of, the director kind of wanted to put it in, into the Eisenhower era where the, and I'm reading this initial, the House Un-American Activities Committee uh, was kind of a big thing in America at that time. Uh, and basically it just meant that the government wanted to be able to know more information on private citizens and what they were, people were doing So it was the homes. late 40s, early 50s. It was the early, the movie. Well, in the movie, there were a couple of points 
where I think they revealed that it was probably about 1952, which was when the book was released, so that yeah. might be why they did it. Firstly, uh, there's a bit where they talk about the president-elect, and Eisenhower became president in 1953, so I'm assuming he was elected in 52. The other thing is, shortly after that, on the TV, there was, I think, Eisenhower talking, and he said something about um, them being just over halfway through the century. Right. But yeah, uh, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know, I like the kind of the look of the film. Oh, yeah. I think they I mean, choose the, a good colour palette for it. Mm-hmm. The costumes are amazing. Like, everything looks so sumptuous and gorgeous and, com- like, comfortable but as well. Like, practical. It actually yeah. looks like clothes people would wear. They chose well for the two leads as well, I thought. Yeah. I mean, even the, the department store kind of was how I had imagined it in my head uh, when reading the book. It looked good. <laughs> the other, like... Uh, like non-plot aspect that uh, usually we comment on and it's just something that happens but that I actually really liked in this film was the score yeah same I wrote down that I really liked the music I think they chose good good moments to kind of swell and and have it f- be the focus um, especially while they're driving and, and like it's just kind of moments where where it, it was usually moments where Therese was thinking or just kind of enjoying the moment and I think that they they picked pretty well with that mm. It had that good thing of kind of being hummable. It actually reminded me of the Downton Abbey theme music. Like, there was a nice tune to it, rather than a lot of the time in films, the score very much backgrounds itself, because it could just be random notes, and I wouldn't yeah. know the difference. Yeah, I, I think they, they strike a good balance of, of it being noticeable and in the background. Mm-hmm. I didn't really notice, to be honest. Just the one time, the first time she drives her to her house, um, when they're in the tunnel, I was like, this is stupidly arty. But <laughs> I didn't really notice it. Uh, let's talk about the plot then, shall we? <laughs> this could be a uh, an interestingly short podcast, well, we'll the see. way that we're going, but we'll, uh, we'll see how we go. So I guess we start off uh, with the two meeting now. The movie uses a framework for the, uh, for the story uh, in that we kind of see the end before we see the beginning. Yeah. Um, Although it wasn't, I didn't realise until it came back at the end that that was the end, because they're just meeting with each other, which is what you're about to say. And that happened so many times that yeah. I thought I actually thought could have been the film that they them. weren't going to revisit that, and it was just like, oh, we assume that slots in somewhere. Yeah, I thought it was would have been somewhere towards the middle of the film. Yeah, I assumed it was out of time with yeah. the rest of the film. Yeah, it was a bit weird. My assumption was that it was one of either the last meeting that they had before, you know, where the one that the one actually that turned out to be, <laughs> yeah. or that it was maybe their first meeting. Yeah, I thought it was kind of, of significance. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool that it turned out to be the final one, rather than just being randomly out of time for no particular reason. I suspect for all of us having read the book first, uh, it was kind of weird having this other this character who's not in the book appear and kind of uh, disturb them in the middle of their their meal. Jack. Oh, Jack! I actually thought that he must have been in the book, and I've forgotten who he was. <laughs> I yeah, assume, I think I did the same thing. I thought he was Richard at first, and then uh, obviously it turned out that he was. Yeah, she called him Jack. Yeah. Um, uh, so they, the two meet at the department store. Uh, they keep this pretty faithful to the source material. Uh, except she sells her a train set. Yeah, instead of a doll. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they have a, maybe a little bit more expanded dialogue here. I don't know, like, I, again, I preferred the film here to the book because I just thought that they had more personality, like Therese laughs. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was a step up from anything that the book did. I found her weirdly intimidating in this scene, and I don't know if that's because they were too close to Kate Blanchard's face or something with the camera, but um, I was worried that the whole time it would feel like she was this massive predator or something. And there were elements of that, but it, it, that was the only scene where I actually felt like she was intimidating. It did. 
annoy me a little bit. I mean, I guess people do meet this way, but I guess I guess I'm revealing something about myself to say that like I can't imagine flirting with someone who I've just started talking to in a shop, an especially employee. an employee <laughs> yeah. or like if I'm the employee, a customer. Yeah. So in any movie, when even like when people are at a bar in a movie or a TV show and they're like, hey, I'm like, I know that happens, mm. but I'm like, I don't actually believe it because it's not something that I could ever do. And like if someone tried to flirt with me, I'd be like, ha, 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 bye. And again, I, th- I, I think that people that this film is aiming to appeal to, like I can't imagine those people are, but are the kind of people particularly who pick other people up at bars and shops. I think in the book it was more subtle and I think the point was just to speed things along a little bit. Yeah. But also, so then I was going to say, um, in the movie they facilitate her getting into contact with Carol by having Carol leave her gloves. And in the book, Therese actually goes out of her way to contact her mm-hmm. and sends her a postcard to say Merry Christmas. So to me, that's a huge change because one makes Therese, like Therese still has to make the choice to send the gloves, but that's a kind of passive action. Like she's just returning something that she left there. Yeah. Whereas like in the book, that was probably the one thing that she did that made me convinced that she wanted to see more of Carol. Yeah. I mean, she kept talking about, thinking about it. In yeah, the, she kept the, thinking about the, it, the but it was the, the one action she took. The most proactive thing she did, yeah. Yeah. Whereas in this, if Carol left them on purpose, which she That's creepy. Have, but yeah, but I guess it shifts the agency more to Carol, which yeah. the, the whole movie does a lot of. It would have taken three seconds to show her choosing a postcard and sort of dithering about whether she was actually going to send it and writing Merry Christmas on it and sending it to her. But it took half a second to show the gloves. <laughs> I didn't read that. I definitely did not read that as Carol left the gloves on purpose. Like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was just an organic sort of thing that happened. But I agree that it does kind of take a weird element out of the character that yeah. probably should have stayed. Yeah. And there, I mean, we'll talk about this later probably, but uh, Therese is nothing if not passive yeah. in the movie. So. And then I guess they just... Then there are some scenes where they fall in love. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this a little bit because this was one of the problems I had with the writing in the book. Like, fine, it's a book where it's a concerned with mundane things. As far as people falling in love can be a mundane thing. It's it's concerned with the day-to-day. That's fine. But I feel like Patricia Highsmith doesn't know how to, like, write characters that have actual lives because it felt like, to me, that they went from meal to meal to meal to bed to meal to meal to meal to bed. Every Like, especially once she and Carol started hanging out together, it was... So much of, well, what should we do today? Let's go have lunch at this place. It just didn't feel real, especially the sleep thing. It really felt like, so about three or four times in the book, especially the first two times, Therese is over at Carol's house and Carol's like, you should just sleep here. And then basically puts her to bed like a child. Yeah, asks her if she wants some warm milk and tucks her in. Yeah. It's, it's very weird. And um, Didn't, didn't Therese ask for the milk? Therese asked for the about, milk, yeah. yeah. Um, Still weird. Yeah, and... It was like, I couldn't figure out how to end their date, so I'm going to end it with bed. Mm. Honestly, that's how I read it. I was like, this is so weird. Because I guess she didn't want to have them kiss before she wanted to have her sexy scene. Well, I think in the book but like, there might have been censorship. Because really, the only explicit thing that happens is that they kiss. Yeah. So if that's the the most extreme their relationship is going to get then nothing is going to happen until that happens. And that's going to be two thirds of the way through. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 
it's not like they can kiss each other goodnight. I mean, but yeah, a more skilled writer would have had lingering hand-holding or mm. just lingering glances if you don't even want to go that far. Like Or saying things. Or saying things. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I just I found I found the structure of the book really weird. There were so many descriptions of what they were eating because it was just like, oh, well, I don't know where they could be having this conversation. So let's just say they're having a meal. It really felt like that. And so that was kind of irritating about the writing. And then the movie replaced it with smoking and drinking. <laughs> yeah. But even that that happens right from the outset. Like you spend so much time in the department store talking about uh, like Teresa's experience of this one woman who she like would be in the yeah, store movie. forever. Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah. I'm just like, what does this have to do with anything? Like by the end of the book, I thought back to that moment because it was something early. So it was something yeah. I still remembered. And I was like... That didn't mean anything. Yeah. It was really weird as well. It was foreshadowing that she likes women. <laughs> she thinks about women all the time. But she thought that women was that woman was gross. Yeah. And then that that that's another one. It's not just Therese who went to bed. That's another one that ended with that woman falling asleep. Yeah, and Therese sneaking out. Sneaking what was out. with that? Like, uh, that she almost abducted her into her house. Like, yeah. It's just so weird. That was that was mm. the first point in the book where I was like, this book is really weird, mm. and I don't think this author knows how to exit a scene. I think that was the scariest part of the book. Yeah, well. I thought she was gonna kill her, <laughs> yeah. and she's like dressing her in a dress she's made. I'm like. What is happening? Which is funny because in the movie, for like most of it, I could believe that Carol was an assassin. Exactly, yeah. Carol, but which Carol that doesn't really like happen in the book. I'm like, I wonder whether that was done to show how passive like Therese was, but there's so many other moments that show that as well. So it's like you totally could have done without that if that was the purpose. Yeah, I would have replaced that with more of her. So Therese has a male partner at the start of the book. In the movie, they made it that they've never had sex. That wasn't that the case in the... No, no they've no, had no, sex okay. and she hated it. Oh, that's right. She cried the whole time. And that was a uh, that was probably one of the only bits of the book that I was like, this is really good. It's really true to how it would be if you were gay at this time. You would just find a heterosexual partner or you would just be celibate. Most people... like. And it wasn't... It was sort of implying that maybe she didn't really know. Yeah, exactly. Like, And so there was a lot of stuff with her being like, oh, I think I'm... As when she falls in love with Carol, she suddenly goes, oh, this is what people were talking about. I always wondered why people were so, like, worked up about love because I thought that's what I had with my partner, Richard, but of course I didn't. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in love with him at all. I mean, Um, and Patricia Highsmith got a lot of letters, even under the pseudonym, like her publisher forwarded those letters onto her uh, about you know, uh, lesbians who around that time who who specifically said that this is my experience. Like, yeah, this well, is a character Patricia, I can relate to. Patricia Highsmith, this is semi-autobiographical. Yeah. That to me read as like the pretty much the only real bit of the book where I was like, this is accurate. This is how women feel when they're pretending not to be, to pretend to be something that they're not. And I'm sure it would be the same flipped as well. And so I would have included that in the movie I would have included, I was really like preparing myself for a scene where her boyfriend's like groping her and she's crying or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really thought they'd have that in there. The closest you come is the moment with Danny, I guess. Yeah, where she's like, oh, I have to leave because he's trying to kiss her. Yeah, which I interpreted as I technically have a boyfriend right now. Yeah, exactly, because she had a boyfriend. and Yeah. So that didn't mean anything in the movie. Yeah, because in the book, spoilers, but towards the end she seems to be trying to convince herself maybe something could happen with Danny. So I'm not sure if actually things might have been okay with him. 
the end of the book basically is a is a a three way choice for her, and she's like, do I still like Carol? Do I she's think a I three way? So, she's a three way. So she's a choice. Yeah, she has a choice of having a three way. Yeah, but she does. Okay, right. <laughs> Never really a choice. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's between. Uh, could I be? Am I still kind of straight? I guess maybe with Danny, which is like weird uh, given all that's happened during the book. Uh, well, I mean, bisexuals do exist. Yeah, no, I know, and I don't mean to to further like bisexual erasure in any measure. But yeah, and I think that was partly to, like Therese just really not necessarily knowing how to identify like yeah that's what i meant like maybe she is bisexual and she just doesn't know yeah but or she's she like might... prefers women well it could even be that she is gay but she hasn't quite got to the point of realizing so she's still and especially because it's in the 50s like so she might be well she doesn't have herself. the language they don't have the language to talk about what they feel yeah but so... also not necessarily wanting to have those feelings because of social pressures yeah it's just it's just a, a mess, like a, an angry melee of feelings and emotions in the book and, yeah. and not a lot of plot to spur it on. So basically they fall in love, there's stuff, they go to her, she goes to her house, she falls asleep there, they have lots of meals together. Or in the movie, so what the movie does well is it introduces Haj and the custody battle with the daughter much earlier. And as we said, Haj is more of a presence. And so you see him trying to convince Carol. And also it's very clear that he knows that Carol is gay mm. and that he knew about a previous relationship she had with the Abby. woman, Abby, who's presented as her best friend. That suits the story so much better. It just may, it just like it actually means that plot drives the story yeah. the, the movie forward rather than two thirds of, of feelings and then plot kicks in. Well I think a yeah. lot of this is stuff that did happen. It just happened later. Yeah, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Introducing that plot earlier like just covers that massive gap yeah. of nothingness that is the middle third of And there were other things that extended backwards as well, like meeting Danny and talking with all yeah. Teresa's friends and stuff. So like that's really good in the movie. And you even see her talking to a lawyer at one point and but basically all that happens and then she the I would say the plot really starts in both when they go on their trip. And you really get that feeling reading the book. I was like, I clearly something is going to happen on this trip because nothing has happened until now. And if it doesn't happen here, I don't know where it will. Yeah. But but you I I did get that feeling. I'm like narratively something's gonna happen on this trip. Um, like we have to learn something important, otherwise why would I keep reading this? <laughs> um I don't know, like I felt I felt in the movie that the plot kicked in a little earlier like a you know starting from maybe the the, the second third of, of the film um, but it certainly flows better from when they go on their trip yeah, yeah suddenly right. you you're like okay i can see where this narrative arc is going yeah i guess before that it was showing you a bunch of different things that were mostly kind of interesting and for the levels the movie becomes interesting but um they don't necessarily join into each other it's sort of setting up a bunch of things yeah no I, I, that's, that's a good way of putting it i mean i I think that the, the movie just like portrays everything once and then you get the idea, which is how it should be, and then it moves along to the next element. Whereas the book like repeats everything like three times. Like she has three or four arguments with Richard and the kite bit and the argument at home. And and then other things come out of nowhere at the end. Whereas the, yeah, so the movie I think does a better job of establishing things that aren't very well established in the book and not repeating things that are repeated in the book. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean the, the trip is the next kind of big plot element. So Carol wants to go on a trip away to kind of escape life because in general. she was going to spend Christmas with her daughter, but then Hodge... Abducts her to Florida. 
Yeah, doesn't abduct her, but basically. It says, oh, we're, we're leaving for Florida before Christmas, so and I was having her after Christmas, so I'm taking her before Christmas. It's interesting that the film does portray him so physical with Carol. I was, I was a little... It, it caught me a little by surprise, you know, expecting that the source material would be replicated, which is obviously not always what happens, but that he... I was, I was like, is he going to hit her? Is something going to happen? But she, she obviously has a strong personality and is quite tall as well. Like just, you know, casting Kate Blanchett, which is a, you know, a good reason to cast her in that because of her height. Like she actually, uh, Haj was drunk at one point and falls down, but you're like, does she push him over? Like it's like, she's, she doesn't just take abuse easily. Which I think like all ties into this character and, and why he's so bitter as well, because it's, it's not just the fact that she likes women, though that's like the main major thing. It's that she's not like the, submissive little wife that he wants yeah i think also it was it was good that they did a good job of balancing it so that they could show that he was angry and stuff physically which makes it so you can see it rather than having to be told about it but also um things like him falling over where she may or may not have accidentally pushed him or whatever was good to sort of just reassure you okay he's not actually going to beat her up or anything yeah he's not a monster he's just yeah. angry he's yeah. just yeah. take he's just like emotional which is important i think for that that part of the plot it's because you know uh, you enter into a domestic violence thing that's a whole other kind of theme that you don't really need to add yeah on to. and then it really complicates the thing with him getting custody of their daughter yeah so. yeah and also you have to be really careful because we don't have a lot of movies with gay women in them you wouldn't ever want to suggest that Carol's character was gay because she'd been abused by him. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's not in the book anyway, but like I would have been really mad if that had happened because it would have completely undermined the story. Yeah. A lot of people do blame people being gay on like previous trauma. So you, you can't, because people are stupid, you can't put that kind of thing in a movie like this because then people will draw dumb conclusions from it is basically my point, I guess. (laughs) So they go on the trip I, again, like, I was thinking, oh, this is this is where all the plot happens, but just thinking over it, like, again, the plot points are just kind of repeated here. Like, the trip is a, is a plot point, a major one, but it's mostly just them going to a bunch of different towns and having more, more character same. moments. <laughs> and eating. Um, and eating. Yeah, like, I, I, again, I do prefer what the film does with the character of Carol in this instance. I think they make her much more likeable. Uh, she is less flitty between... Uh, I seem to hate you at this moment for no particular reason. I mean, I and you, I guess I understand that she is, has, is thinking about all the stuff that's going on back home, but it's just like, well, you're kind of being super dickish to a girl who is much younger than you <laughs> and clearly is interested in you. Yeah, like you, you convinced her to come and then you... Um, Shun her. And then you say like, oh, you don't talk to me. And she's just like sitting there thinking, like, be nice to her. You should know what she's like by then, or else yeah. you shouldn't have gone on holiday. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you're clearly in- you're interested in her for a reason. It's like, I, th- I feel like sometimes they thought that they were already progressed to the stage in the relationship where you are kind of o- over the honeymoon stage and you just like start really start seeing each other's flaws sort of yeah. thing. But it's like, well, they've only known each other for, what, like two months? And they're not even really together yet. No. <laughs> no, I mean, that does happen on the trip. They uh, end up kissing... They have sexy times. Sexy times. Yeah, which, which was either not in the book or... Sexy times, I think, are maybe movie. implied in the book. There was a passage. So the same point in the movie where they had sex, in the book there was a paragraph that I wasn't sure it was maybe a, a metaphor for them having sex. No, I'm pretty sure it was a metaphor. 
Right, because it was, was describing this? like circles of yeah. feeling going through her body or whatever. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that was all a metaphor for <laughs> sexy yeah. times. I do not remember that. That's because you guys aren't women, so you don't understand women's well, sexuality. Well, I, I, I don't understand sexy circles. <laughs> yeah. No, but, well, it just was... Bradley, you're doing better. <laughs> Obviously, I've never experienced orgasm as a woman, but it was very reminiscent of passages that I've read in other things. Yeah, that's what I was like, this is this is lady sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good to portray, you know? Like yeah. It's, uh, I mean... Well, as a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, as a metaphor. Yeah, because it was either, it was like, is this a metaphor for sex? Is she asleep? Or is she just really, really right now thinking about how much she loves Carol? <laughs> how much she loves circles. <laughs> yeah. Man, I love um, Carol. I love circles. I love me some circles. What um, do you think about the way that the sex scene was filmed? I was just going to talk about that. I yeah. hated it. It was like a porno. I really, I really thought, I really hate in sexy scenes, even if the characters aren't having sex, even if they're just making out, when people like throw their heads around and Just like hate how gasp sexy they are. and like no, but like and like I mean I guess I guess again I might be revealing something about myself, <laughs> but like the the back arching and the like you know it's like very stereotyped yeah like the you know you're having so racked with so much pleasure that you're like basically coming like off the bed you know like mm. the, it the, it's the head throwing around that really bothers me I'm just like really. No one's been this passionate in bed ever. I would find in this scene the amount. <laughs> I'm sure they have, but I don't know. I, I found the immersion was really broken because I was really nervous that I was going to see more of Kate Blanchett than I was prepared to. I don't like. So basically, when there's nudity in a film, if it's an actor I don't know, it doesn't really bother me. But I feel like when it's someone that I'm familiar with. When you, being you do a see things, yeah, I just feel like you didn't need to show me that. Don't feel like you have to do this yeah. in the movie. But then it's also weird when one of them is naked and the other one isn't. My viewing of this scene was definitely compromised because I was watching it at work and I work uh. in a at an airport with lots of lots of people who wear fluoro shirts and the kind of people who work in fluoro shirts, if they see what you're doing, uh, like I'm like, oh, what's going on there? And I was just like, so I was kind of like just in the corner in the couch, like with my laptop screen that folded down. I'm like, oh, I'm watching this movie, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I I will say that I thought it was it trod a really good line between being tasteful and explicit. Mm. So like it didn't shy away from showing Boo. no like lesbian sexuality. Like yeah, I'm not gonna be specific, but <laughs> if you want to see it, watch the scene. But it also didn't show like full frontal nudity. Yeah. So it really like trod that line basically. So that was good. But I just I just find the like cliched passion in these scenes cliched so i'm just like bored by it and i and i it just completely ruins any of that for me i'm just like i'm embarrassed for everyone involved <laughs> probably doesn't help that it, it doesn't feel entirely justified by especially in the i mean again the book is kind of vague on that on that what actually happens but that the lead up to it is so compromised by their wavering stance on each other and how often they flip between do i like you do i not and the fact that, I mean, it's so in the book, it was only like now that it was like, oh, Carol actually does have feelings. Because even before that, I was like, I know Carol likes women, but I'm not convinced she likes to rest. Mm. Um, like, is she even interested at all in pursuing this? I guess it was at, sort of at this point that things really started to happen as far as, oh, they're in a relationship. But it was interesting that in the movie, I don't think they said they loved each other yet. Whereas in the book, that's what started this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, so certainly save that for the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I much prefer the movie and, and what they do with it in, in general. So then the next morning, Carol goes to pay for their hotel room and there's a telegram waiting for her and we don't see what it specifically says, but then she storms into another room in the with hotel. With a gun. With a gun. And there's a guy there and it was the room next to their room. And there's a guy there who's a real creeper and he's like, I recorded you having sex and I've already sent the tapes to your husband. All right. Now Bye, lol. Now, again, I wonder what I would have thought if I had not read the book. But having just read the book, as soon as that was, as soon as that dude came on screen, like and he was just greeting her to help her get ice in the middle of the night, I was like, I know exactly who you are, yeah. what yeah. you're doing. Because we met him twice before, I think yeah. twice before this. That was really weird to me. Because why is the private investigator who's following them going out of his way to make sure they know what he looks like? Because he's a gross, creepy perv. Yeah, but and it's he sort wants of, them to know. It's sort of specifically going against what is good for his job. Yeah, I know, but because like, now they're going to be like, "Why is this guy following us?" Yeah, Which, but he's so, a gross, creepy perv, so he doesn't yeah. care. It was just. I thought that was realistic. It probably well, was realistic would, for him. Anyone being gross. who would take money to record people having sex, any people, regardless of being gay or not, is a gross, pr- creepy perv, and a gross, creepy perv would be like, "I want you to know that I'm here." I want to. Yeah. I want to get close to you before I record you. And I, I think it was sort of worked in the movie because there were only like three different locations over that period. But in the yeah. book, because they went so much further, it made way more sense that they had to be like, "Wait, wasn't this guy in the last location?" Rather than him introducing himself, because it just was sort of like, "What? Well, how do you expect to even do your job?" Yeah, like this. Yeah, it did make more sense in the movie. Again, yeah. the book just plays this plot point out for so much longer than is necessary. It's just like he follows them to this town, and then they think they've lost him, but he's there. And so they run away again, and then he follows them to this town, and they think that they've lost him, but yeah. he's still there. And so they go to the next town. It's just like, oh, this happens like four times. I'm yeah. Like, okay, just get to the point. So I guess I feel like he just he's better at his job in the book, but they portrayed it in a way that was easier to follow. In the movie. Like it was more entertaining in the movie. Yeah. The uh, like it was. I, I mean, I guess I kind of like the way that they adapted the moments with the gun. And that sort of confrontation between them from, from book to film, like mm. I thought that they did it, it, it suited what their purposes on screen, but they still kept the heart of the moment from, from the book. Yeah. And I think probably from this point on in the film, everything that happened, I was like, oh, that was so much shorter than it was in the movie. Yeah. In the, sorry. So everything that happened in the movie was so much shorter than it was in the book, which was nice. Yeah. Also, real talk, how is sound proof? Like, this is my problem with them having super passionate, loud sex. Really, you're in, like, a hotel and you're not supposed to be, like, gay people aren't allowed. So wouldn't you be, like, being super silent? Yeah. I didn't think they were being super loud. But he's he's not... He, that's the only thing he could have been recording. I know, but then they did a bad job of portraying that in the movie because they play music over the top of it and you don't hear anything, which is yeah. fine. But I'm like, okay, well, I didn't... Yeah, so, like... Happening. Either he got specifically, like, Carol saying, I am having sex with you now. And Therese saying, yes, Carol, you are having sex with me, Therese. A homosexual. A homosexual woman, because we are homosexual women together. Like, a li- he then gal recorded... Just gals being gal Yeah, we're gal pals. We're sexy gal pals. Or he, um like, got vague, I guess, moaning. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> and, likes- and, I mean, I guess the point is that Harge is threatening with taking it to court and, like, regardless of whether it's true or not or whether, like, she was found not guilty of being gay or whatever, the implication would still be there and that could ruin Carol's life. 
uh, and that's like the point that the book makes is that like he doesn't he doesn't need proof he just needs to be able to suggest it but also the proof is better in the book because they have things like i don't know if carol says it back but therese says that she loves carol and that if they're recording that moment in the book then that would be recorded yeah as well as the sex but also they have things like the letter that carol sorry that therese left for carol in the house and all the things that the maid had overheard yeah, yeah. Yeah, they imply that there's a lot more than the dictaphone stuff happening yeah. in his investigation. And it's very clear that they don't actually know how much has been recorded because it was in various locations potentially. But in the but also there's nothing illegal about two women saying they love each other. There's nothing illegal about two women. I mean, again, no, I realize all, all of this stuff it. is like would be character defect considered character defects, but I just think there's like a bit of a hole in the story there because I just think like wouldn't you need like solid proof that they were lesbianing? You like, might. It depends. I guess the whole point, as you were saying, is that they're going to take it to court and have to argue things, and it might be enough to sway a judge that morality is an issue. Or yeah. Whatever. Well, also because of like gender bias, so they would be yeah. more prepared to believe Hodge than her anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and they, and of course they would be correct in believing him. They would. <laughs> yeah. That is that is fair. <laughs> the judgment that follows, of course, is yeah, wrong. Is wrong. But, yeah. but he is correct that <laughs> yeah. she is gay. So that happens. So basically, the end result of the whole incident with the private investigator is that uh, Carol knows that she's going to be embroiled in a legal battle to get custody. Uh, so she kind of has to choose between Therese and her daughter. Pretty, I guess pretty reasonably chooses to try and fight for her daughter because, I mean, like, I thought about this when it happened. I was like, shouldn't she, like, she could just choose to raise but like, that would probably make her a pretty crappy mom. Yeah, so, although she kind of does make her choice, especially in the book. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I felt in the book that she, like, the choice that she makes was kind of basically out of necessity because she, like, I know she chooses to reveal all the information and to fight wherever she can and stuff, but mm. in the end, I, I feel like they were probably going to convict her anyway. Well, I mean, we can talk about it, I guess, when we get to in a couple of minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the end choice that she makes is that she goes back to New York. It happens in different ways, in very different ways, actually, in mm-hmm. book and film. So the film, like, they have another night after they are originally discovered uh, of sexy times, and then in the morning, Therese wakes up to find Carol has gone, and Abby is, like, just sitting in the room, just chilling. Smoking. Yeah, also <laughs> lesbian Abby. Uh, and so she's like, yeah, she's not coming back, whatever's. And drives her back, I guess. And I thought that was good because it shortened things a lot that didn't really need to be as long as they were yeah, in the book. In the book, before Therese gets back to New York, she basically continues a road trip for another month or so. Uh, she holds out expecting that Carol's only going to be a week. It turns out that Carol uh, is going to be away for like a month and a half trying to fight this. And then there's a bit of back and forth about, oh, I don't want you to call me, but you should call me. Why don't you call her? I shouldn't call her. Yeah, and then the phone's Oh, my goodness. I just did not care at this point. Yeah. I was like, just get to the point. It also meant that all the stuff where uh, Therese had met Abby before could be cut from the film and just put in the spot of how she's getting back to New York. Yeah, yeah so, like, the conversation... I mean, it wasn't word for word, but, like, they have a conversation about Carol way earlier in the book. Mm. Um, and they have that at this point in the movie. Yeah, because yeah. basically Abby is there to drive Teresa. It also means we don't have to have Carol teaching Teresa how to drive. The the film makes a much better use of the Abby character. In my yeah, because you also have the scene where Abby stands up to Hodge. And it's oh, like, yes. she's not here. Go away. You're an idiot. Yeah. And yeah. she proceeds to be an idiot. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, eventually she does make her way back to New York. In both instances, whether she's a set designer or a photographer, she gets, like, a, a better job. 
doing that that particular profession kind of she I, I guess I guess she matures it's kind of just said that oh she grows up somehow all right someone explain to me in the book she sees this painting and like has a fit or something over it like she just looks at it and runs out of the library that she's in it's like she's like it's a painting of Carol or something I had no idea I think it thing. reminded her of the nun at the school or whatever or something it was so badly oh that or she'd seen the painting before I can't remember now but it was that whole section in the book when I finished it I was like I'm not really sure what just happened yeah and I feel like either it was bad or it was good and I need to reread it and work out why I was confused I feel like it was bad because if (laughs) if both of us did not get it at first read then uh, you're not doing your job and I don't remember I guess that that can be I mean I don't remember a lot now of that anyway but it's so it could be that a lot of things that happened either didn't really make a lot of sense or they were more subtle than I noticed at the time I'm not particularly willing to give credit (laughs) to believe the latter she makes her way back to New York um, grows up I guess well that was the other weird thing in the book was like, wait, so what was the purpose of that? And that whereas in the movie, it's just sort of she just kept doing her life. Yeah. The film gets back to the scene that we saw at the very beginning where Carol uh, finally manages to get Therese to meet up with her. And uh, they basically, she offers her, Carol offers her the choice. And she says, like, will you come live with me? Because now we're divorced and like, I'm living on my own and no one will stop us being lesbians together. Uh, and Carol's like, I said, no, Carol. Um, and Therese. Therese is like, nah, I'm grown up. Yeah. Which I guess, or is she? Well, in the book, I was like, why are you saying no? But in the movie, I think because they shortened the gap between Carol leaving her in the, the room in the hotel. She's still pretty angry. It sort of felt like she's probably just annoyed at Carol. She still feels a little betrayed. In the book, they're like, I feel betrayed, very betrayed by yeah. you, but lots of other things. But in the book, I wasn't sure if it was like, no, I don't have those feelings anymore. And then when she goes away, she realizes it's still love. It's just different. Something like that. I don't know. It was. I really wasn't that sure what was happening. And then. She oh wait. So before, before. Well, we're talking about the the scene from the beginning that comes back again. When Carol comes in and Therese is sitting down, there's already a jacket on Carol's chair. <laughs> is there? And I wasn't sure if maybe Carol had got there first and then got up to do something and came back. That's weird. It was very weird. Yeah, it was like continuity. I wrote down whose jacket is that. <laughs> <laughs> the most interesting question in the film. Uh, I mean, Carol, at this point in the film, says, I love you, and then Jack arrives uh, at the worst possible time, and Therese, uh, so Carol opts to leave. And uh, basically, I mean, it, this, it, it matches up pretty well, actually, here. I thought this is probably a, the most faithful it ever gets is right here in this moment where she goes off to another party uh, and Carol goes to a separate party. And the party that Therese goes to, uh, she meets another girl there who is like a famous actress. In the book, yeah. Yeah, and, and she's just another girl in the film. Uh, but there's a moment where she's like, oh, could I be lesbians with someone else? And then she gets all weirded out and is like, nah, I like Carol. And then goes back to Carol. And that's yep. the end. In the book, that bit was quite long. And I, in the movie, I don't know if I had this feeling in the book, but in the movie, I was like, the only thing left is for Therese to turn around and find Carol. So there better not be 20 minutes of this other party and talking to some other girl. Yeah. And then there wasn't. So that <laughs> yeah, was great. that was good. But then I, I almost wish that there'd been like a little more explanation or a little more time spent with that girl. Well, I think maybe that might have been some of the half an hour. Yeah, I, want, yeah I wonder if that was cut. Because I'm pretty sure that was the woman from Portlandia. Yeah, she, yeah, she was. She was yeah. It was weird that she only had one line because it was a recognisable person. Yeah. They get back together. The end. Oh, oh, we didn't mention so the court thing. Oh, yeah. 
In the book, of course, pretty much everything that happens to Carol is told to Therese by Carol. And so it's great in the movie that you can actually just see these things happening. Yeah, that court scene was probably one of my favourite scenes. It wasn't in the court, it was like in the, the, the negotiations, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that scene. I found it interesting. So basically in the film, Carol just is like kind of upset at everything, obviously, for good reason. And yeah. then just says, no more negotiating. Here's what should happen. Hodge can have custody of the girl, but I want regular visits, even if they're supervised, and I'm just going to live my life how I am. I did appreciate the way that they took that, but especially the way that they, what they did with Hodge in that moment was that he basically was not a jerk. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the way that he was in the book where he was just like, nah, screw you, I'm just going to take custody, whatever. Yeah. Or that, in this, like, yeah. you get the feeling that that was not, because you never see what he actually chose to do, basically. They never well, that's the thing in the book, you, know, you don't really see him, so it's a bit hard, no. and you just go by what Carol says. But but I did really appreciate that he. you get the feeling as she leaves the room and he's calling after her, you see the look on his face, and in that one, like, that's, a, that's good acting, in the yeah. fact that he doesn't say anything and kind of just emotes that he is probably agrees with her, and that's yeah. what ended up happening. And she had a really good line as well, which is something like, we're, we're not bad people. Or it was like, so that's what's going to happen. Otherwise, we're going to court and it will get ugly and we're not ugly people. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, no, Carol. Yeah. And she leaves. Yeah. And that was like real good Kate Blanchett acting as yeah. well. Like so emotional. She can act that thing where you're talking and you're trying not to cry and you're about to cry and then you start crying. Yeah. Which is like, I imagine the hardest thing to pretend to do. Yeah, so she's amazing. The other interesting thing about this, I'm pretty sure in the book she basically just had no visitation or anything. Yeah, I'm pretty or, sure she just got cut off from Rindy, Yeah, she? so it was interesting that in the book it was actually sadder. Yeah. But because you didn't see it happen, you had to kind of think it through to realise that it was sad. Yeah. So the movie was more explicit about how sad it is. Yeah. But it wasn't actually as sad as the outcome yeah. in the book. But then that scene is because, again... As you said earlier, that scene is not really explicitly in the book. Exactly. It's just implied that it's taken place. Yeah. So you never know exactly what happened. So that the film uh, does a good job with that scene. Yeah, and I think it's good that they didn't make it as horrifying because that probably would have distracted from the ending. Of yeah, the film. that's that's a good original inclusion. I feel. Yeah, that's pretty much the end of the film, though. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I guess anything else plot wise um, that we missed. I don't think so. The only other thing I've written is that the movie does a lot to drive you to expect that they're going to end up together. Whereas in the book, I really didn't. It was only when in like the last paragraph or whatever it was that I was like, oh, okay, they're together. Okay. I was only aware that they would have a happy ending because I read somewhere that this was the first lesbian book with a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. I I read, I think at the beginning of my book, it had a like preface talking about lesbian fiction and then i i read that which i usually don't do because sometimes they ruin things (laughs) and then yeah i read that and it said i'm pretty sure that's where i read it because i i knew that going in as well and i was Mm. like damn it i don't know i'm pretty glad that i read that beforehand because if i'd kept reading and and i thought oh this might not have a happy ending i might not have kept reading (laughs) i sort of felt like i was expecting that it wouldn't have a happy ending it was sort of leaving towards a not picking carol whether that meant Going with the other girl or trying something with Danny or not doing anything. I thought at the end, as I was reading, I was like, I wouldn't be disappointed if she chose this other girl here, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, because if she'd gone with the other girl or just even, like, been attracted to that girl but not gone with her for some reason, but then not gone back to Carol, but then just been like, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to find another woman to love, that would have given her way more agency and confirmed that she was really into women, whereas, like, the way that the book goes it's kind of like 
like how Richard says, oh, you've just got a crush on this woman. She is pretty yeah, obsessed. She's, like, she's, she's obsessed with Carol. Yeah, and she is. Yeah, <laughs> so like that's fine. Like maybe you're straight for every other person on the planet, but you're yeah. just gay for this one person. That's a perfectly reasonable sexuality she's to a have. Great exception. Yeah. Again, like I was saying, because there aren't so many movies that touch on this kind of thing of women loving women, it is kind of a weird, not a weird choice, but like I guess a slightly annoying choice because I really just want any representation to be really good representation. I want it to do everything. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I'm being fussy. I think it was good though, because in the book, I thought if anything, she's going to try something with Danny. Yeah. Which... Would have been okay for her, but it would have been unfortunate for the theme of the book. Yeah. Um, whereas in the movie, I don't think that was particularly clear as a, a path she could take. It was So yeah. she did see him with another girl at the party and was like, oh, okay, I guess nothing's going to happen there. But she didn't say anything. It was all yeah. just like in one shot. We got the idea as the audience. I'm going to give a thumbs up for the film. This is not normally my cup of tea, uh, as we've already said. I mean, my, my interests do go beyond just fantasy and sci-fi, obviously. But... I mean, I would never have watched this on my own volition just because I was like, oh, I just want to sit down and watch something. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, there, this was, this didn't like fascinate me, and I'm, it's not, it's definitely not going on my like top ten films of all time sort of list. But I, I, like, I was pleased that I sat down and watched it. I was like, I'm this, this kind of, I don't know. I was just, like, I appreciate that this film exists because. If nothing else, at least, it, at least it is a gateway into the fact that good, well-made films can exist about these kinds of characters. And hopefully better films will come out uh, in the future in the wake of this sort of existing. Yeah. What about you for the movie, Bradley? Yeah, I mean, as I said before, I think it was probably more important than good. But I think it was a well-made film. I won't watch it again for a while because I tend not to do that with any film because <laughs> I remember things and then get bored. But I could easily watch this again after a gap. Yeah, I think I might get more out of it watching it again because I would be watching it and not analysing it. I think also having just read the book made it harder to like the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with everything Adam said. I I think the movie is a good movie. It's not something I would usually watch, but it's fine. I didn't enjoy the book and I don't think it's good writing. I mean, again, it's more important than good. Like, it's important that there were lesbian writers writing about their experiences, even in a vague way at that time. But it's not good. It's bad writing. Yeah, I would describe the book as uh, one-third thriller, two-thirds filler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is that a not recommend? I mean, I would recommend the film, I think, if only because it's important. But the book, I would probably only recommend if you enjoyed the film. And even then... <laughs> You'd have to super love the film. Yeah. And probably ladies too, if you are already a lady. I mean, as you said, so the book is important as well. So if you're interested in, like, for historical reasons or yeah. whatever, then go ahead. But if you just do If you're doing a thesis on lesbian pulp fiction, this is an important book for you to read. Yeah. But you probably already know that. <laughs> yeah. And have already read it. Yeah, exactly. In which case, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we're sorry we don't like this book that you probably like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm joining the crew. I mean, it's pretty obvious that we all voted film for a reason at the beginning of this podcast. The book is not strong, uh, especially the first two thirds where it just ambles and takes far too long to do the things that the film does in a much shorter space of time. And I would rather spend two hours watching the film than the multitude of hours I spent reading the book. There's uh, there's there's moments of goodness, but that alone, that statement alone kind of reveals how 
not great <laughs> the book was. I didn't really hate the book. I just found it very easy to stop reading it after every chapter. I absolutely agree, and I forced myself to continue by reading one comic issue between each chapter. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about what things that we uh, do enjoy uh, consuming. Uh, lately, I have been listening to Sherlock Holmes audiobooks. Uh, they've been pretty good. I've listened to the first two novels, and then the book after that is short stories, and I'm partway through that. Um, I haven't read any of them before. It's quite interesting, mainly in that it's so compared to all the TV adaptations and stuff, it's less clear what the purpose of Watson is other than audiences. <laughs> and But Sherlock is not at all, like, on the autistic spectrum. or Like, he, he doesn't really have social skill issues or anything, which is a very common thing in adaptations that I've seen. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, funny, that isn't different. Well, I mean, I think on the Asperger's spectrum or autism spectrum, closer to Asperger's is like code for really smart. But also, it, it makes a much better reason for Watson to be there. Yeah. Because he actually has a purpose in Sherlock's life yeah. to help himself. Whereas in the books, it's, he's really just there as someone to write down what happened. Yeah. Wouldn't it be more, wouldn't it make Sherlock really irritating in a movie or a TV show if he was just right about everything all the time I think without having any could. foibles? I think it could. It's yeah, interesting, interesting that yeah. it's interesting that He's, there sorry. are so many Sherlock adapt were so so many Sherlock adaptations come out within so short a space of time. I don't really remember the movies that well, but they probably are similar to the books in that. Sherlock is kind of funny with Yeah, he's debonair in the books. Yeah. He's like still He's he's a drug taker in the books, isn't he? Yeah, cocaine. And yeah. Tobacco. So it that's closer to Robert Downey Jr. version. Yeah. He's like he's yeah. a hot mess. It's but, harder to portray that on TV. That, that your character is super into cocaine, <laughs> your protagonist. Well, that that's but I think that's what Elementary does a bit better. Yeah, is that he's that. they include that, but he's just come out of rehab, so mm. that's the reason for Watson to be there because yeah. she's looking after him. Mm. I mean, in the books, it's sort of horrifying because you know that what cocaine is, but it's kind of funny because it's always like, well, if there's no mystery, I guess I'm gonna have to go back to the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Like, because he can't, he just needs something to Guess stimulate. Guess it's cocaine time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, would you look at the time? Well, the other funny thing is that Sherlock Holmes and the mound of cocaine. <laughs> pretty much every client they have is like, so I've got the most mysterious thing you've ever heard. <laughs> Lois, what about you? What have you been into lately? I've been reading a book called Rainbow's End by an author called Verna Vinge. So I found, this is a sci-fi book. I would say possible future kind of sci-fi but a, sort of a very possible future where um, basically the main idea is that all the technology we we've have now has just really become like really, really integrated into people's lives. Um, so everything's wearable, basically. Everybody wears contact lenses that help them. And, and basically everyone's clothes are just like full. They look like normal clothes, like jeans and whatever, but they're computers. So to look something up like they – they do like the slightest muscle movement with their shoulder and that kind of thing. It actually is super plausible that we would like to actually like get to that point where we were like wearing all this stuff to like surf the net. And because also then it shows like how everything is on the net. There's no books anymore or anything. So it's kind of a near future rather than a lot of stuff is like yeah. a thousand years from now. Yeah. And so the there's two main characters. There's a young teenager and then there's a old man who's they've recently found the cure for alzheimer's in the book and he's had his alzheimer's cured and so he's basically over across 20 years he was you know really suffering from alzheimer's so 
he has to get caught up. And so he goes back to high school to like learn some of the technology and this and makes friends with this young guy. It's pretty good. It's a bit rambly. Like there's a reason you haven't probably heard of Werner Vinge. Uh, he's not an amazing writer, but this this book's better for the concepts that it presents than the actual writing in it. But it's it's good. Cool. I mean, uh, I always talk about what comics I'm reading on this because I am almost entirely up to date on Marvel Unlimited. I'm now into 2016. I'm into this year's comics, which is good. Uh, I'm reading Inhumans at the moment, uh, which Inhumans have kind of been referred to as basically Marvel really pushing for another brand of X-Men which is kind of what they're doing because it's generally the same thing, but they just exist in a different way. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. I hate the X-Men comics, uh, even though I'm a Marvel fan. They just don't appeal to me at all, surprisingly. I love um, X-Men. But uh, I'm really appreciating the Inhuman comics. I just find them interesting. Uh, I'd recommend that. But uh, I'm also going to recommend a podcast this week uh, called The 1600. Uh, this is probably only going to be relevant for about another couple of weeks because it's uh, a podcast about the US election cycle. And there's usually one or two come out every week. There's a guy called John Favreau who hosts it, who is not John Favreau, uh, the oh. director. I know that's exactly what my response was, but he is a very good host and uh, they generally have some pretty good discussion about the debate. Uh, they, I was trying to say, they're not biased, but they are obviously on the right side, which is against <laughs> Trump. Uh, because if you support Trump, you're a douchebag. Yes. But there is Surprise! We are left-leaning. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we didn't spend this whole podcast being, oh, I hate lesbians. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Surprise! I, <laughs> we do not support Trump. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'd recommend uh, giving uh, the 1600 uh, a download and just a listen. They talk, they talk, I mean, obviously the debates are a pretty hot topic at the moment, so there's uh, plenty of coverage on that. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, good good talk. Do you know what the title is in reference to? Uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah. Uh, there's the White House. Yeah, White House. I know that from the TV show, 1600 Pen. I, I know that from knowing stuff about the world. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. it's better than us. <laughs> yes, I am. That's true. <laughs> uh, that pretty much wraps us up for this week. Uh, next time, we're going to be doing... Coraline by Neil Gaiman. And I won't be here. Adam won't be here because he's going on a fancy holiday with his lovely wife. Yep, I'm taking all my savings that I've earned from doing this podcast, and I am you sitting at home. You've got money from this podcast? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just sitting at home for four weeks. All oh, right. Because I can't afford anything. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be being replaced next week by Liam S. Smith, who is a known co-host of podcasts such as Teeves and now Mystery Twins Detective Agency. And also, Mystery Twins Detective Agency is my new favourite podcast. They're really funny on it, so you guys should listen to that. Yeah. And also, listen to Liam on our podcast. Uh, so, he'll be here in a couple of weeks to do Coraline, which will be a... Uh, I think it'll be... I mean, again, I've not read or seen that, so I might have to do both and tune into you guys. Yeah. See how far you fall without my co-hosting skills. <sighs> Maybe people would just be like, yeah, don't bring that guy back. Yeah. This marks the end of my tenure as co-host. I've been oh, deposed. no. It's election day and I am out. No. Uh, so you can find and contact us at wereadthebook at gmail.com or on Twitter at readthebookpod. Uh, please feel free to send us suggestions like Vault 101, who sent us the suggestion to do The Price of Salt. So thank you, Vault 101. Uh, we we hope all your dreams have come true. Yeah. 
We really appreciate the suggestion. Please hit me up on Twitter. Adam doesn't actually log into Twitter at all. <laughs> so really you're just talking to me. I do, but only to comment about sports when I'm yeah. really angry that my team lost. Yeah, so really you're just talking to me. So that's even more reason to do it. <laughs> Unless you want to talk about sports, in which case, please hit me up. Yeah, don't talk to me about sports. I don't know anything. <laughs> Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review us. We've, we haven't had a review for a few weeks, and I'd really like to get some more on there. We've got five at the moment. We're aiming and for ten. Yeah. Can we get to, like, ten in two weeks? That would be really cool. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I guess uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, I've been Adam Cries and Wets Himself Heap. I've been Lois $6 Salami Mitchell. And I've been Bradley, it's pronounced the French way, Walker. We'll see you next time, folks. Bye. See ya. Now Bradley is the host. Oh, you talked.